Let's talk about microdosing. You know that feeling when your body and mind are really at peace, like after a workout or a nice long shower, where you've relaxed, you're focused, and a little energized? It feels just right, like you're in the zone. Well, microdose can help you not only get into that zone easier, but stay there longer. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. I absolutely love how helpful these gummies are. For me, half a microdose gummy during the day helps me really stay centered and really fresh as I get everything done on my list. And they really help me relax in the evenings as well and just be present and in the moment instead of worrying about things from the day or what I have to do tomorrow. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com, promo code MinaAF. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com, promo code MinaAF for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com, promo code MinaAF. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Mina Starzyak-Hawk, and this is Mina AF, where I answer all of your questions and you can ask me anything. Can we talk about money? Can you still breastfeed with implants? You're both boss moms, and I'd love to know the story of how you met. Literally anything any of you want to hear. Listen as we build a community and get to know each other better. Happy Tuesday, you guys. Welcome to Mina AF. I hope you all had a lovely Monday. We have some questions in the question box, so I love these. I love these ones I get to record. The first question in the box this morning is from Danielle. Hey, Mina. My name is Danielle Sacco. Huge fan of you and your show. I consider it my church. Obviously, that's a joke, but I'm not religious and I do get a lot from it every week. So thank you for that. I was curious about what your friendships look like outside of your relatives. You're always mentioning great people on your episodes, but mainly it seems to be family um, or, you know, loosely referring to somebody. Do you have one go-to best friend? Do you have a small, tight-knit group of friends that you like to hang out with? And what do those friendships look like? I was just curious because I'm very close with my bestie. I consider us family and was just interested in learning more about your friends. Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I I am super jealous of my husband. Like he's got his group of friends that were literally like they went to elementary school together and have known each other their whole lives. And then he has a really tight group of college friends um, that are still like, you know, he's 41 and he's still really close with. And I don't know if it's because I had such a big family or just because how my family was, but I don't have any friendships that I can think that really went, that go back that far. I mean, high school and college even, um, I had, you know, good friends that I went from high school into college with. And then after college, there are definitely friends that, like, you know, those friends that you could see and you'd pick right back up where you were and it doesn't, it's not like 
a high maintenance friendship. It's just easy, but it's definitely not anything that's where we even like text and check in once a month, let alone once a week. Um, and I think because I've always been so invested in whatever work I was doing because it wasn't I've I've literally never had like an office job where you know I had to be there and maybe didn't love my coworkers or anything like that. It's always it's always been you know waiting tables and then two chicks and a hammer which I own. So if you're part of the team, it's probably because I like you. And we are so small, it's always been really important to be like a really good culture fit too. And I think that window of time where a lot of people do maintain, like develop in a way that creates longevity for those friendships, like that period after college when you're like going out and having fun and like making those memories and maybe traveling with that like one person that's really become like your person. I didn't really do that, I guess. And it's kind of depressing to think about. Like, I 100% had fun. Like, you know, I had a house with a bunch of like my girlfriends post college, and you know, we would go to the bars together, and we would, you know, go. We we would we would definitely like bond and spend time together. But then we all kind of went our separate ways, I guess. When that okay, you're you're you know you're too old post college to just be all living in a you know a dump of a house and walking to the bars. Thursday through Sunday. Um, I had one like really close friend that I actually worked with. Um, we met because we worked together and then we're really, really close, um, honestly, till about a year ago. And I think I, it's a previous episode I've talked about. Um, but our friendship, I think, was always probably pretty imbalanced. She would probably say the same thing. Um, she had, you know, like one of the biggest hearts I've ever seen in my life, but also like very high anxiety, like very people pleaser. Like if I, you know, if I didn't answer my phone when she called, it would immediately go to panic. Like, am I mad? Like, what did I do? So there was a lot of like work that went into that friendship. And it was, it was definitely worth it because she's, she's still a great human. But there was a point um, about a year ago where we kind of, you know, ended up having a friendship breakup. She had been working at my store and managing, you know, had been sober for a year, which was amazing for her. And um, there were a lot of things that went into what happened, but she left the store one day, like midday, just left. It unlocked and she was done. And we haven't talked since then. And that was tough because that's, it's just a lot. There's a lot. Um, it's I probably can't answer it in your question. But and then, you know, my other close friendship, honestly, up until the show, it really was my mom and my sister. I mean, we were like, you know, the three musketeers, super tight. So I didn't like they were the ones that filled that that like part of my life. And as we've all kind of gotten older. My mom, my sister, me. I mean, me and my mom have, if you've listened to past episodes, which it sounds like you have, have always kind of been up and down. But right around the time we started the show, you know, and we had our business together, I had met Steve. She had met her ex-husband, Roger, um, and the show had started. So there was a lot of dynamics that were going on that were new and different for us where we had always been 
you know, each other's top priorities. And then we both had dudes and we had the show. And so, uh, you know, that closeness does not exist anymore um, by any means. And I think that also created a big strain on my sister because she was kind of like in the middle. Um, And she's also not single anymore. So she got married. And uh, so we more have like a normal sister relationship than that like uber close best friend go-to for everything that my mom, my sister, and I used to have. And when that kind of faded away, Steve kind of naturally filled that role. And I wasn't at the place in my life where I was meeting new people anymore. You know, I was in a relationship. As you get older, like really the only point of going out is to have a little fun and try to meet some nice people. And I met my nice person. And I've married into a, a great friendship with one of my husband's best friend's wives. And we definitely are, she's probably outside of anyone I work with, like who, if like, it's nice. We both are women business owners. We both are workaholics. So we understand each other really well. And it is that friendship that we could, she's kind of been MIA for a month because she's ruling the world. She's the one that owns the wedding studios that I did on the show. Um, and she's opened another location in Louisville and she's opening her own, she's making her own line. She called me yesterday and I was like, well, hello, I'm glad to hear your voice. I needed a sign of life. And, you know, and we talk for 20 minutes and we're going to get, we'll get the kids together this weekend, but we're both the people that we could go to if, you know, God forbid, like I was like, I I, I kicked Steve out of the house. She's the person I would call. I would never do that, but she's definitely that person, but it just feels like whenever there's been that opening in time to really like foster a a friendship that was going that way that wasn't someone I worked with or someone that was family, that there was just other things that kind of filled that void or filled that time like Steve or work or now having kids like and making friends as adult is weird and hard. So I definitely have made adult friends. But when you make friends as an adult, you're at that place where they aren't like your everything best friend because they also have other things going on. So, you know, Steve and I have some couple friends that we love spending time with, but it's a couple friend. So I don't know if it makes me like depressed about my life or just, it just is what it is, but I don't have that, uh, like, go to and they go to me like it's that you know that back and forth like we are each other's people's relationship i have people that are my people and i'm theirs but they also have you know a lot of other people so it's interesting cuz my husband has like 15 of those people so good question danielle thank you for listening i really do appreciate the support uh no pressure with it sounds like you're like, I know you're kidding about that. It's your church, but I'll try not to say any extremely dumb stuff and <laughs> throw you off course. Um, but yeah, let's roll into the next question. Hey, Mina, this is Lauren. I'm a huge fan of your show and your podcast. Thank you for everything that you do. I was just curious if. Warmer, sunnier days are calling, and you can fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. 
Factors Fresh never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. With delicious options from breakfast to dessert, you can stay fueled all day long with easy and nutritious options. Plus, with premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, Factor meals are a real treat. I love the convenience and the variation of Factor's different meal preferences. Whether it's managing calories, maximizing protein, or avoiding meat, crush your goals this May with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash MinaAF50 and use code MinaAF50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code MinaAF50 at factormeals.com slash MinaAF50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you have a favorite house that you've renovated, you have done a lot of them over the years. So that's it. Thank you so much. Bye. It's like picking your favorite child. And, I, you know, some days it's Jack and some days I'm like, you are crazy, Charlie. You're the one. Some days it's Frank. Um, but I definitely have a couple, like, top favorites. I think there was a house, the seasons blend together so badly. I think it was season two. And it was on Elm Street, and it was a house that my sister-in-law, Alexa, walked through, but then my sister, Kelsey, actually ended up buying. And it was just this gem. It was in – it was a block from my house. I mean, it still is a block from my house. And it was tiny, like 800 square feet, so freaking cute, so freaking tiny. And when you have something that small, I mean, we just packed so much into it. And it was whimsical, and it was – glamorous and there was, you know, it started cute. Um, you know, rose bushes growing out of a stump in the front yard. It just felt very kind of, there's a lot of whimsy to it. And that is if, you know, if I had to lean towards a, towards a style, it's, it's everything I do is very functional and comfortable, but I do love that like whimsical vibe. And we had this amazing, gorgeous chandelier that like, I mean, it was probably three feet across of this 10 foot living room, but was, was magical. And I just did every fun thing in this house. There was like a teal backsplash and the outside was two-tone yellow stripes. And to this day, if you go back and like search this episode and watch it, I was in a hotel traveling for work when I saw it and I called, I don't remember who I called, but I was like, are you watching this? Does the house look like it's a gosh darn highlighter on your screen? Please tell me it's the screen in my hotel room. And they were like, no. It looks like highlighter green and highlighter yellow. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get ripped apart for this. And it's just not going to get the love it deserves because it's so dang cute in non-TV world where it's actually this really nice soft light yellow and soft medium yellow two-tone stripe with a copper roof. 
Um, but it was it was definitely one of my favorites because it was just so tiny. And then my sister, it was her first home, and she bought it and she loved it. And she lived there until she met Neil, and they ended up with three dogs and you know bought another one of our homes. So that is my favorite, not my home home. But I mean, I think fairly obviously, like my home that I designed and built for one of the episodes, and I mean, for my life that happened to be on one of the episodes is probably my favorite. I worked for a couple years on the floor plan, like really thinking through the functionality of it. I didn't have kids yet, so I made a lot of decisions thinking about what it would be like to have kids as well as how I live, how my husband lives. So, you know, the second floor that, you know, the first, the, the, the front chunk of the house is like the kids area. And there's like a second little living room. There's a really cute kids bathroom that is a one-piece tub shower unit. So there's no tile, there's no grout, which a lot of people might think is like, oh, well, like you would put that in a, in a crappy rental. But if you're giving kids a bath in a bathtub, it's nice to not have tile, to not have grout. It's super easy to clean. They can't mess anything up. They draw on the walls with their like, you know, color bathtub crayons. It's not getting on the white grout and staining it. Um, and then, you know, the bedrooms, the way the bedrooms and the bathroom line up, it creates a hallway. And when you go around the corner, it opens up to like their playroom area. And that was very specifically designed because my husband and I, if you haven't figured out yet, are very different. And like messes go to this place in his brain where he just wants to like, you know, stab everyone in the eyes. Like he can't, I don't see the mess because I grew up in chaos. Um, and he's like, how do you, how do you not know that that's there? I'm like, oh. Um, so I, you know, put the playroom around the corner. So if it's not picked up every day, because, you know, realistically, once you have kids, all bets are off that that would be okay. Like I thought through those kind of things. We have an in-law uh, quarter on the third story where we could also have had um, a live-in, which is where Hannah lived for several years, our nanny when she was with us. Um, and then the outside is very Charleston reminiscent, which is where I've gone on family vacation since I was in my mom's stomach and she was pregnant. So it's very me. It's very thought out. Um and so it was it's it's definitely my favorite. Um so thank you for asking. I love talking about it. <laughs> so next question we have is from Becky. Hi Mina. This is Becky and my question for you is could you tell us a little bit more about the recovery process for your tummy tuck and your your mommy makeover but primarily your tummy tuck? Was it what you expected? Was it better, worse? How long did it take roughly? Um, as a mom of three who also has some DR, I have been considering it, um, but I also worry about the downtime and how I would manage that with my three small kids. That's a really good question. And I want to preface any answer with, I am a terrible patient. My doctor is amazing and I don't listen to anything he says. And he knows that and he appreciates that I tell people that um, because my recovery uh was probably, it's just not a great example because I literally, I had my drainage bags still in my body clipped to my sweatpants on a job site, which is not the post-op recommendations, people. Pete, Dr. Colts, I'm making this very clear, not post-op recommendations. But so to go back, I had a C-section for both kids. So I think I was going in 
with a, a, a decent understanding. Like, you know, they cut through all your muscle. They do it in a way sloppier way when it's a C-section versus a tummy tuck. Um, but in my head, I was like, okay, I did that. Like, okay, I can manage this. But I also knew, you know, I have two kids now um, and you have lifting restrictions for two weeks. You, um, I think a lot of people think about, obviously you're not going to be driving um, while you're on pain medication, but equally importantly, what they tell you is, you know, you can't be in a car until you can slam on the brakes with enough force to, you know, like avoid a car accident. And it's weird to think about, like, why wouldn't I be able to hit the brakes? But if you're watching on YouTube, we're going to give you a little example here. Even if you're sitting here, like sitting here listening to me, try to lift your knee to your chest and feel how much that engages your core. And your core has been cut through. So you have to be able to slam that foot down. And if you're on pain meds, you can do that and it doesn't hurt. But again, my job sites are all like a block from each other, guys. So not the recommendation. What I would recommend is to like have a plan for a solid two weeks. A solid two weeks where you don't have to be driving or someone else can drive you where, um, you know, you think it'd be better to do in in the summer or whatever while the kids are in camp. Like do it when everyone else is going to be busy. So like why the kids are in school, that's great. It's the least amount of time you have to try to avoid carrying them anywhere. Um, I was also very, you know, Charlie was littler, but with Jack, it was like, you know, mommy's, mommy's hurt. She can't pick you up. That's what he could understand. And he was like, fine. Obviously, it's a huge help if you have like a counterpart, whether that's family that's close, a partner, a friend that's going to be able to help with some stuff. The first, I want to say three days, just expect to be dead. The first night I was in the hospital, not in the hospital, sorry. Another great thing I really loved about Dr. Colts, this is an aside, but I told him, I was like, I want to pay for two nights post-op in the hospital. I want to be there. I want my pain managed. I want to be taken care of. And he said, that's silly. You don't need to pay you know, for a $2,000 a night hotel stay to be in the hospital. We put you up in a hotel. Our nurses come check on you. I come check on you. So that was great. Um, but the first night um, after the kind of like surgery anesthesia stuff, numbing, wore off, I thought I was going to die. So having a person there and being prepared to like, Steve made the call for me and was like, there's so many different pain meds, you guys, and different ones affect different people differently. And he called and was like, this one's not working for her. We need something else and we need it. We need it now. Um, So just being prepared. I think also not chasing the pain. So a lot of people, including myself, have this thought process like, well, I don't need the pain meds. Like, let's wait and see. Then they wear off and you're 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 miserable and you're like, why did I do that to myself? So at least for the first week, just be regular with the pain meds and then, you know, just give yourself a little bit longer window between them or, you know, uh, you know, break it in half, take a smaller dose, something like that. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. Follow their recommendations. But I think the main part is don't chase the pain. And then even um, – so Finley is on my team, and she just had to have a C-section um, and was struggling, like, with her – like, the strength after it because your muscles are cut through and, like, pulled and just kind of sewn back together. Um, the biggest, biggest thing that helped me was being prepared with, um, like, support compression garments. And I'm not kidding. Like, Five layers, if that's what if that's what you what helps. 
So what they give you when you leave, it kind of looks like a giant ace wrap. It's just a big fat one that goes around once and, you know, it'll get the job done. But what's it? What's the um, belly bandit? Hit me up if you guys want to sponsor. I, but it's Belly Bandit. It was like what I got. And they make um, like shapewear, but they specifically make, you know, post – I think it's kind of like catered towards post like pregnancy, um, like C-section. But it's what I got. And it was like a giant corset that had like 12 options to like cinch it in tighter and tighter with their little snaps. But if you think about it, if you've ever lifted weights, um, like done a squat and worn one of those braces around your midsection, or you know, you see the people at Sam's Club or uh, Costco with that like back support on because they're lifting heavy stuff, it's going to take some of the pressure off your core and your back. And while your core and your back are refiguring out these new muscles, having that support is huge. Um, the other thing I did, which I didn't think about until we were home, honestly, was our bed is crazy high off the ground. I have to like kind of like jump up onto it. Um, and so what we did was we took our box spring out and got a bunkie board, which is like a two-inch thick box spring because you cannot – like you think you'll wake up. You think you'll just sit up in bed. You can't do it. It just – you think you're sitting up and then nothing happens. Um, so it was kind of this like, you know, dead fish roll to the side and roll out of bed. Um, so thinking ahead about the steps you take every day in your regular life and just mentally go through a day and say like, oh, like be aware of when you're engaging your core because that's not going to work anymore for a while. Like I said, I had drainage bags. Um, if you're just getting a tummy tuck, you may or may not. It depends on your doctor because I had a tummy tuck implants and then some like various lipo. Drainage bags were a huge help. And it just helps because if you're not good about compression, this is more with um, like liposuction, but also with a tummy tuck, they are disconnecting your skin from the tissue underneath. And what makes it reconnect is pushing it against it. It's the pressure. So compression, compression, compression. I cannot preach that enough. And if you're not using enough compression and you don't have drainage bags, the fluid's going to get in between your skin and what they disconnected it from. And that's where people get bad results um, because the skin can't reattach to the body and you get this weird saggy skin. It defeats the whole purpose of you've got this great like tight core now that you can use and then you got weird saggy skin. So those are a couple things. And then I think other than the first three days, literally plan on being in bed don't plan on doing anything. Have someone, like if you need to get up to go to the bathroom, you know, being able to have a plan for that, whether that's another human that's going to walk with you or buy a walker on Amazon. Have something that, because your body, you're pulled so tight, like even sitting up straight is going to take you some time to be able to do because you're kind of going to want to hunch over for a while because it's doing what it's supposed to do. It pulled your muscles back together snugly. Um, and so it's just it's just a weird feeling. And then the other thing that was really helpful was when I could eventually like put pressure on my stomach. So like if you're a stomach sleeper, that's kind of weird. Uh, or I, when I went to get like my um, post-surgery, like my first lymphatic drainage massage, also highly, highly recommend having that set up ahead of time. Probably about three or four days post-op if you can handle it. 
getting a lymphatic drainage massage is going to help get all that extra fluid that I was talking about to the the lymphs in your body that filter it out um, and get rid of it. But again, you're going to be hunched a little bit. So having a pillow or um, some, you know, concoction, they make special ones for it, but that's going to go under your stomach. So if you were to lay on your stomach, you're not actually laying flat. You're kind of a C curve. And you're going to need to do that for a while, honestly, um, while everything's kind of settling. And then as far as activity, if you can handle picking up your, you know, 20, 30 pound kid, you can do it. I'm going to be honest with you because I was back on the job site. I was doing things. I was driving. I was picking up the kids probably at about a week. And I'm fine. My internal results are fine. My core is incredibly strong. What I messed up was my scar. Um, And that's where a lot of people, they don't want the scar scene, obviously. I I, I don't care a ton about mine, but I'm going to show you. If you guys aren't watching on YouTube, you should go on YouTube because I'm going to move my mic. So can you see that scar right there, Megan? Is that visible? Just, it's just, just about, I suppose. (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't know if you guys can see it, but I do have pictures of it on, um, on Instagram at various places. It's very stretched out. I mean, it's probably as thick as my thumb. Whereas if I was a good patient and didn't lift and didn't do all the dumb stuff, it would be, you know, as thin as, you know, I don't know, like my nail. Um, And it wouldn't be very obvious. But mine is. So that's what you risk if you don't have the ability to really just kind of be still for a while. Or like me, just can't like mentally be still for a while. Um, that might be more information than you wanted, um, probably. Uh, if you're on YouTube, that was way more than you bargained for. But I can also, I'll give, I'll send Megan the like the pictures of my scars. She can put it in the show notes so you can see it. And you can even see the sides where it wasn't pulling as tightly. You can see the difference. The scar is very thin there and it's almost gone. Whereas the scar in the middle where it was pulled the tightest and I jerked around with it is it's kind of ugly. But it wasn't completely like, you know, vanity-based for me. So I don't really care about the scar. I wanted to be able to like bend over and lift up my kids and my my abdominal muscles work. Um, so, and honestly, the way my brain works is like if I'm paying for anesthesia and a surgical fee, let's throw everything but the kitchen sink at it. Hell, let's throw the kitchen sink at it. So if I'm going to get a tummy tuck and, you know, it's it's 10 grand – anesthesia and surgical and you know the tummy tuck itself was what like four grand maybe let's let's get my old boobs back and you know get a little of that extra tough to tough to work off fat um because when you're in there just you know that's that's my mentality so thank you for your question (laughs) what do we have next megan hi mina Brittany here also lives in indianapolis You are such a chill mom, and I would just love to get any pointers you have on just allowing your kids to live that carefree life. Um, It seems like uh, I have so many anxieties um, for my son. I have just one kid. He's almost three, and um, just him getting hurt, and he's allergic to, like, everything. So would love to know how you maintain an anxiety, mostly anxiety-free motherhood and just how you tackle 
um, everyday life with two kids. Thank you. Love your show. Thank you. That's it's a really good question. Um, but I think a like don't be super hard on yourself. My kids have no allergies, and I know that can be super scary. Like, you know, you eat a strawberry and you're going to the ER or whatever it is. Um, when my kids were little, <laughs> I think they might actually be allergic to strawberries now that I say that because uh, Jack used to get like flushed whenever he ate strawberries. And I was like, well, his throat's not swelling. So we're just, he likes them. We're going to keep feeding him these. And I think maybe he like built up a tolerance. But I think that probably does go back to my, my parenting style. I mean, even with peanut butter, I was like, okay, I know I'm supposed to be careful about this, but I just give it to him, right? And then we see what happens. I was raised in a really big family and I was, you know, I have a brother that's 20 years younger than me. So where this is your first kid, it's super, super normal to have all those anxieties. I feel like I've had 12 kids. Like I changed Tad's diaper and then I've got two brothers that are even younger than that. Um, you know, we had my niece Julie for a year when she was about one and a half to two and a half before we had our own kids. So a lot of those anxieties, I think, that are very, very, very normal um, just got worked out because how my life has worked out. Um, but I think, you know, a way to look at it that is not not the right way or the wrong way, but how, you know, Steve and I feel is we've got these wild swings. Like our parents were like, go outside, I'll see you at sundown. And we would like be playing in the pond in our neighborhood at four years old. That's not a thing now. And then all these kids, you know, the pendulum swung back so far and we have these helicopter parents that want participation trophies for everything and their kids are all a special snowflake, which sure they are, but no one else thinks that except you. So chill out. And I think we're kind of settling more in that middle ground, at least in, you know, the Midwest, it feels that way. Um, because I think there were a lot of things that our parents' generation did really well, but there's also a point to, yeah, no, they shouldn't roam wild in a pond and maybe drown. And the way I look at everything with my kids is I want them to learn their own lessons without getting severely injured. So I guess a good example is, um, you know, you want to jump up on that two foot tall like brick wall and you want to walk it and you're trying to climb up it, but maybe you're too small. If my kid falls off that brick wall that's two feet high above the sidewalk, what's going to happen? Like worst case scenario, we might have some blood. If they fall real, real weird, I guess they could break something, but the likeliness of that is very small. So it's a risk reward situation. If they get up there and they fall, they will learn something from that. And it's something that I can't teach them by telling them. I can say while they're doing it, you want to be careful, pay attention, maybe put your foot here, try this. Do you need help? Like those things. Whereas I see, you know, a lot of parents maybe would like rush up and be like, don't do that. Be careful. You're going to get hurt. Really letting them have some room to make mistakes um, as long as they're safe. And I think, uh, you know, that, that it's still tough because that feeling of safety is very subjective to every parent. And because how I was raised, my, you know, my husband's like, I don't, I don't know how you're still alive. <laughs> Some days you were raised by wolves. Um, 
But my, so my subjective level might be a little bit uh, more lenient than others. But I mean, think, think about that. If your kid's doing something where you're feeling the need to rush in and stop them or save them, think about what you can say to them or suggest to them or not do anything at all and just like let it play out. Like if my kid is going to, if if Jack takes off and is getting ready to run into the street, that is not a lesson that I'm going to let him learn on his own because that is going to, that is severe bodily injury if you get hit by a car. But if he's sprinting down the sidewalk and I'm like, bro, be careful, like you're going to fall, you got weird shoes on and he bites it, he's going to get road rash on his hands, he's going to cry, it's going to suck. And then he's going to be like, yeah, I need to be a little more careful when I, when I, when I run or these shoes suck. I can't run in them. Like he'll learn that. And if you kind of think about it as an adult, like this is kind of taking me to when my sister, when my little sister Kelsey went away to college and she was like this beautiful, perfect, big boobed blonde Barbie doll. And I was like, Kelsey, don't do this, 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 this. This is going to happen with this, 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 this. I'm going to tell you all these things so you don't have to be stupid like I was. And of course, she did all the dumb things and she you know, made all the mistakes because that's just human nature. You have to, nine times out of 10, learn on your own and our kids are no different. Um, I think the other thing that I really try to do is have a consequence that is re- that relates. You don't want to think about this. Okay, um, I'm trying to think something that's not related. So you told your kid, not to run away. Stay next to me. Don't, you know, don't run into the parking lot. And they do run into the parking lot and you stop them and you put them in timeout. In your head, you're like, yeah, no, that makes sense. They didn't listen, so I put them in timeout. Whereas the natural consequence could be you didn't listen, you ran, and there were the reason I told you not to do it is because it's a really bumpy sidewalk or whatever. Or like, and then they fall. Okay. They told me not to do this because they were protecting me because this bad thing was going to happen. The bad thing did happen. That makes sense. And it's the same way, you know, even when your kids are, I think, in high school, like you snuck out, you took the car and you snuck out and you weren't supposed to. Taking the car. Okay, you were irresponsible with the car. Now you don't get the car. Not like you're grounded for a month and but you still get to drive yourself to school or some weird stuff like that. So always trying to, especially when they're young, but even in high school, like our brains are still shit. Make it as simple as possible. If I do this, the natural consequence is this. Um, And try to keep that in mind when you are giving them room to like make these lessons. Figure out what the natural consequence is going to be. And if it's something that's not going to harm them in a permanent way, create like massive bodily injury or whatever, let him do it. I'm thinking about Jack. Um, He was sitting at our bar stools. We really just eat around our island. And he was at the age where he had that suction cup plate. Um, And he was sitting on the stool. So he was old enough to be on the stool. But he, I put his food down and he was, he, he was like, I don't want it. And tried to shove his plate away. And because the plate was suctioned, he shoved himself backwards off the stool and his knee hit his mouth and it, he he bled. I can't remember from what part of his mouth. And of course, like we're like immediately help him stop the bleeding and then have a conversation. Do you understand why that happened? There's a different way to communicate. If you didn't want that, we could we, we can talk about that. But because you immediately escalated, bro, and 
physically reacted before thinking you hurt yourself. And he's like, yeah, no, I won't do that again. And that makes sense in a two-year-old, three-year-old's brain. Me just, I can't think of what wouldn't make sense, but that is action, natural consequence. And it was one that he learned very immediately and very quickly. There was a little blood, but no one died. So I'm going to probably get a lot of heat for this, but that is that is my outlook on parenting and how I probably look a little bit more chill than maybe the next parent um, because I'm just trying to, I'm trying to look at the big picture. So that's what I do. I hope that helps and I hope it doesn't piss too many of you off. <laughs> On to the next question, Megan. The the next two aren't really questions. They're just sort of reactions to the Trolls episode. I got so many messages about that. Oh, I bet. <laughs> well, so many people messaged and were like, I could not for the life of me figure out what picture you were talking about that upset so many people. And I had to dig through your feed. And they're like, I saw that one in nowhere in my brain. Was that my reaction? And that was super helpful to hear because you know in your head most of the stuff on social media is people projecting like whatever is in them. So if in them isn't this like, you know, uh, mentality where I'm, you know, I'm the diet culture and I need to be skinny, like then they don't project it on me. So it was just a helpful reminder. But yeah, let me let me hear what uh, what some people got to say. Hey, Mina, Samantha here. Just listened to your episode on the trolls. And um, I myself got off Instagram just before Christmas last year for my own mental health and well-being. And I'm not even the remotest bit famous. Um, But I love your show and I love to keep up with you. So I was glad to see that you had a podcast. So I recently started following your podcast. Thank you for always being real and honest, I myself have struggled with an eating disorder my entire life, but through therapy and proper medication and working out, I myself am stronger than I've ever been as well. And it definitely makes other people feel failure. And I don't understand. I'll never understand why someone else's success makes other people feel a sense of failure. So I don't know if it's a question, but that was on my mind. I really do appreciate that because I'm sure as you all can, no matter if you have 500,000 followers or five followers in life, everyone could tell you 10 people in a day could be like, oh my God, your hair looks so good today. And one person could be like, what's going on? What's going on with your hair? And you're going to take away, God, my hair looked like crap today, I guess. That's just, I think it's just human nature. So I appreciate when people are nice because while that is the vast majority of you guys, you are all like amazing and so supportive and it's cheesy, but like it's, I don't know any of you by like face or name, but it does feel like we have this awesome family. So then there's those extended relative Karen type people that are, you know, they say the one nasty thing and and, and that's just what sticks with you. At least, I mean, I feel like that's human nature. So I do appreciate taking the effort to be kind 
because usually people only take the effort to be buttheads. Um, and just a quick recap, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the trolls and not the cute kind episode. Um, it was a picture that I had posted. I was like super happy in my element, doing manual labor, dirty. And that's what the post is. It's a selfie. It's like, I love this. I miss this. And people went bonkers. Like, I look like I'm on drugs. I look like I'm anorexic. Like, what's wrong with her? She's so skinny. And I was like, wow, y'all really are buzzkills. Um, and so yeah, go in and read the comments, listen to the trolls episode. It's wild. Um, and I think we have one more comment about the episode recorded, right? Hey, Mina, this is Courtney from Plainfield, Illinois. Just listened to your troll podcast and wanted to leave my thoughts about you on here. Um, I see you as a strong, independent woman, um, doing amazing things and love your show. Love your podcast. <laughs> I think more importantly than that, though, too, you are someone who is very self-aware um, and has no problem saying when you're wrong or when you um, are not good at something or whatever the case might be. Um, and I think that is huge. and I think that's important. Um, so, you know, just wanted to say, keep doing what you're doing. Um, I know you have thick skin and can handle the trolls, but, you know, I think after a while that weighs in anybody. So, try just to stay focused on the positive people in your life and your fans that love you and don't let the trolls get to you. Uh, have a great day. That is so freaking amazing. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling the best. So maybe that's why I'm like getting a little teary <laughs> listening to that. Cause it doesn't seem like it would make me, um, cause I'm very non-emotional, but a like, congratulations. That's so amazing. I've, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I've, at various ages been like, I don't like my weight and, and worked out, but I know I have not struggled um, by any means with a, like a, an eating disorder in that really, you know, challenging way that a lot of people have. But I am aware that it is really, really hard to deal with and it's a lifelong thing. So it sounds like you're in an awesome place and congratulations. Um, and it is weird. I've talked about it in so many other respects. It's really... Uh, even in you know kind of the the showbiz world i i genuinely feel like a rising tide floats all boats like you know we can all benefit from this and if i'm losing traction in any way in my life whether it's you know with my popularity or with the show or whatever it's not because someone else is doing better than me it's not like there's this set amount of X, success, weight loss, fitness. And if I get a little more, then they get a little less. But it really, really is shocking how many, unfortunately, mostly women feel that it's this limited amount of fill in the blank. And if someone else gets any of it, then there's not as much left for them. And I don't know how to help people adjust that outlook other than talking about it. Um, you know, so trying to encourage people to think about it in that way. Like it really is like you know, share your light. It's just going to make a brighter light and it's cheesy and it's stupid, but please you guys and do that with everything, with your knowledge, with, with your experience. Um, it's just so confusing to me. Um, and I think for a lot of people it's, you know, that what their upbringing was, how they were raised. Um, and it just needs to be an attitude shift and it's going to take a heck of a lot of time. 
So if you are one of the five people that are listening, hopefully there's more of you, try to try to do that. Try to like adjust your attitude. But it doesn't take anything away from me. Someone else's success is their success. And if you're failing, it's not because they're succeeding. And it doesn't matter what arena that's in. It's just not true. So support people. Don't be mean, especially to other women. You guys were such buttholes. And we just make each other look bad. But uh, yeah, um, thank you for calling in. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's uh, I am in a very like physically probably the strongest place I've been. So that was just such – it just knocked me down a few pegs for a minute. I was like, what is up with people? And then felt those feelings and pretty quickly – because I've worked on my thought process and therapy and, you know, all those things. Like, okay, felt kind of weird for a minute. Like, that's such a bummer that you guys all needed to shit on my parade. But it's probably not about me. It's probably about you. Maybe a little bit about me. I don't know. But we're going to all move on from it. You guys probably aren't because you're probably the ones that still are dwelling on it. Um, But I've moved on because it's not a me thing. So I think if you can think about that in life too, it's just super helpful for your mental health. Like think about if you're driving to work and some a-holes like beeping at you and cutting you off and flicking you off like, what did I do? It's like you know, they probably got in a fight with their person and now they're on their way to their job that they're late to and they already hate their job and now they're going to be yelled at because they're late because they got in a fight with their person and they're mad about the pants they put on this morning because they're too tight because, you know, they've been eating like crap and feel like crap. Like just – you know, that you can make up any story. It's probably not wildly far off. They're probably having some struggle. So try to give grace without letting it take anything away from you and just move on with your day, y'all, because life's too short. Well, thank you guys. I feel like y'all are getting it. We're getting in the groove. Leave stuff. Um, the link is in the show notes. So leave a question, leave a comment, love a good story. Um, you know, I talk about my uh, my poop stories a lot. I would love to go down the rabbit hole with some of you on that, like literally anything. If you're listening and it like triggers something in your head, just call and say it. This is a, if you didn't get it already, judgment-free zone. Uh, So thank you guys so much for making it through Monday and being here with me this Tuesday. And uh, it's Mina AF and I'll see you next Tuesday. 